Welcome to Piedmont Arts. I'm Rachel Stewart. Organist Joby Bell will give the first recital in this year's Organ at Davidson series, which takes place Monday, October 12th at 7.30 p.m. at Davidson College Presbyterian Church in Davidson. He's on the faculty of the Hayes School of Music at Appalachian State University, and he performs around the country. He has also made a number of recordings on the Centaur label, including a seven-volume series of the complete solo organ works of Charles-Marie Vidor. And Vidor is on the program for the Organ at Davidson recital uh, that's coming up. So thanks for uh, joining us today, Joby. Of course. Thank you. For those who are not familiar with uh, Vidor, could you just give us a little background on who he is? Officially, he was uh, French-born, 1844 to 1937. He was the organist at the great church of Saint-Sulpice in Paris for 64 years. Whoa. And... Uh, a lot of people my age and older, however, are going to recognize his name as the composer of that famous Toccata in F major that a lot of people enjoy having played at their weddings. That is probably the thing for which he is most well known now. But in his day, he was a prolific composer in all genres, everything from operas to chamber music and, of course, his uh, organ works. He was also highly respected statesman in the arts world. He even served at the great Institute of France. In his case, he was uh, serving in the seat for, for arts or for music, rather. So he, he was a, a very well-respected statesman. He was probably the most famous composer in France during his lifetime. And of course, history changes all that. And so a lot of people know him for the one piece. But of course, we organists have uh, known him for the other organ pieces as well, <laughs> not just that one. <laughs> So you have recorded all of the, um, you've done the complete solo organ works by Vidor. Right. How did you choose Vidor? What, what made you do that? You know, that whole project evolved. I had two of his symphonies in my fingers, and I happened to be in the audience when I heard one of them played at uh, the Cathedral of St. Mark in Shreveport, and I thought, Boy, that piece works well on this organ. Maybe maybe I'll see about recording it. So, you know, I made the phone calls and made the connections, and sure enough, we recorded the two symphonies I had in my fingers on that organ. And then the uh, recording crew and I got to thinking, we said, you know, this works really well. Why don't we record all of them? Of course, by that they meant saying to me, why don't you learn all of them so that we can record them? <laughs> and I said, you know, that's a fine idea. And uh, we can record them on sister organs very much like the Aeolian Skinner organ at St. Mark's Cathedral in Shreveport. And so th the whole project evolved from there. We recorded all 10 symphonies and three later opus numbers on sister American-built organs around the country. There were five different organs represented. And uh, so that's, that's where it went. And I am utterly delighted to have added all those pieces to my working repertoire. And uh, so I have, I've enjoyed choosing a symphony to play on this recital or that recital. And, uh, uh, you know, here in Davidson, it's going to be the seventh symphony. Were you a Vidor fan before you decided to do that project? I was certainly a fan of isolated movements here and there. And uh, when we first thought about recording all of them, I thought, oh dear, I'm going to have to learn the movements I don't care for. 
But then the more I got into it, and of course the more I read on uh, what Vidor was up to at various times in his life, then the more fascinated I became by the whole thing. And uh, there really is not an unmasterful movement in the lot. And so I am the wiser for it and a little bit embarrassed to have <laughs> to have, to have doubted Vidor <laughs> before I really <laughs> dug into him very well. Well, you're going to perform the Seventh Symphony for the recital at DCPC. So tell us a little bit about this one. I noticed in the liner notes you said that this was, um, at the time it was written, maybe the grandest organ work that had been yes, composed. Yes, indeed. It runs about 45 minutes, which, by the way, is why I chose it, because uh, the director of music at the church, David Brinson, said, you know, with, with, the, with the pandemic going on, we're going to hold recitals to 45 minutes, no intermission, and we're going to do all the social distancing and masking and so forth. And I thought, well, I have the perfect 45-minute piece. I'll just give you one composer, it'll last for 45 minutes, and we'll be done. So, at 45 minutes... It was indeed the longest organ work composed up to that point. And it was eclipsed only by the very next symphony, the eighth, which ran one hour. Um, <laughs> after that, after that, I'm happy to say Vidor calmed down, and, and it, they all went to about 30 minutes after that, 35 minutes. So he um, was super inspired, huh? He was, he, he was super inspired. You know, that, that was a very fertile time in, in his life. So he had plenty to say. But with a six-movement work such as that, he gets it all said, which is remarkable. And so the symphony is a most wonderful gamut of musical expression and excitement and beautiful melody all in the same piece. And uh, for Vidor to just keep turning out these magnificent statements of musical integrity not to mention rich emotion that he nurtured all his life, then it really is uh, uh, quite a wonderful musical accomplishment. Chances are that most audience members will not have heard the Seventh Symphony, and they may not be able to identify any of its movements from previous knowledge. And so I hope that uh, everyone will find some tune that they can identify with, if, if even if they may not be able to whistle it on their way out the door. Okay, so you're going to be performing this piece, this one piece for an hour, and when I watch organists play, it's so um, physical looking to me. I, I'm wondering, you know, how demanding is that on you? You're, every limb and appendage or, or whatever yes, you call it is yes, moving. We, we have to use all the appendages that we can find, all the fingers and toes that we can find. And um, Vidor was particularly athletic in that regard, and in particular, the Seventh Symphony is quite athletic. And I'm, when I say athletic, I'm thinking right now of a number of places where he has the hands crossed on separate manuals. The right hand is on some manual playing way down low, and the left hand is on another manual playing way up high. And uh, <laughs> it's all in service to the music. It doesn't sound contorted or convoluted, but it is to get the notes you know, pressed down at the right time. So that piece is particularly uh, nasty in that regard. Um, Vidor was used to a great big five manual organ 
that he played each week. It was the largest organ in France, and I think it still is, unless Notre Dame has eclipsed it. That console is surprisingly compact, and it was easy to reach everything on it. And so when Vidor writes all these crazy configurations for the hands going in different directions on different manuals, it actually works. It's a little harder to pull off in other countries because consoles tend to be a little more spacious at least in this country and uh, so uh, my little arms are long but they are having to struggle <laughs> um, but other than that yes there are plenty of notes to get around to and uh, Vidor often has the feet working just as hard as the hands he writes passages that lie high in the pedal board where a lot of people are not all that used to playing. Most people are used to staying low in kind of the bass department, but Vidor pushes the pedal up into the tenor range all the time. But it makes such a wonderful cohesive whole that if you're not watching the organist, you actually feel soothed. If you do watch the organist, then you wonder what's next. <laughs> Do you get a little tired just watching the organist? Uh, uh, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I get tired. You know, you know. Yeah. I, sometimes I will uh, sympathize with what's coming up for them, and of course, if they get through it with flying colors, then I feel great. Yeah. Well, and I guess you know better than most. You know. Uh, what what the, is about to happen you know there there is so much groaning that i do from my seat in the audience well speaking of playing the organ when did you know that you wanted to play the organ oh this is a story that i tell very clearly i grew up in a church that had a small pipe organ you know and when the day came that i was allowed to go up into the chambers as a young kid and see those pipes i thought oh now this is the coolest thing i've ever seen and um you know, as I got a little older, one thing led to another, and uh, the church organist and the, the minister of music said, well, of course, come play it sometime. Let's check it out. And so, you know, I got to lay hands on the, on the wonderful pipe organ, and um, from there it just went. I knew that I, I would love to play the organ regularly, even if I didn't do it professionally. So that I knew that was always going to become a part of my life. But, uh, you know, once I got to college, and uh, majored in music, majored in piano and organ, and I went on into grad school and continued exclusively with the organ, then uh, everything evolved into what I have now. But I am convinced that it was due in large part to the hospitality offered me by my church organist and choir director, because I've seen far too many young children get turned away for other reasons, you know, oh, oh, we, we keep the organ locked. Oh, no, no one can play it unless, 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 unless. And uh, when you take that sort of inhospitable arrangement and couple it with the fact that a lot of kids don't even make it to church these days to discover that there's a pipe organ there, then uh, the organ world may need to rethink some things. <laughs> but I have always been the most gracious host I can possibly be for anyone who expresses an interest in learning more uh, about the organ, whether they are a student or whether they are just a passing visitor. I've always done the best I can because I feel that that's what worked on me. Is the next generation of organists um, 
a large group, a smaller group than when you were coming along? It, about the it same? Has, that group has always been fairly small, you know, when you consider, you know, the number of violinists coming up in the world or, or pianists or accountants and lawyers. Those numbers have gotten lower over the years. And uh, 25 years ago, we had dire warnings. And now we have even fewer students. And the warnings, fortunately, are no more dire. <laughs> but nevertheless, it is, uh, it is a part of our society that, that is worth keeping alive. But I believe that we might have met our baseline. I hope we have. Students who want to learn the organ know who they are they have encountered the organ at some point, whether they encountered it in a church or in a concert hall where, where they do exist in greater numbers these days, or if they encountered it in the theater, which is kind of a fun place to encounter the organ uh, when, when they see a theater organist uh, in action, then they know who they are and they know that they want to learn more. So the big organ programs in this country are still going strong. The medium-sized programs are still in the game and a lot of smaller programs have closed that's true mm. uh, a lot of churches are still looking for organists they can't find them the large churches are doing fine there's always someone lined up to go to the you know to the national cathedral or to st thomas new york the medium-sized churches are kind of stuck in the middle but it just depends on where they are the larger cities are doing fairly well do you have any advice for someone who wants to learn to play the organ and maybe doesn't have access to an organ? You know, how do you? Yeah, that's uh, you know that's that's one of the harshest realities of learning the organ as a young person, is that you need access to one, because you don't just go to the piano store, and get an organ to practice on. I always tell young kids uh, as much as you can, make friends with your church organist if you have a church, or make friends with a local organist who will get you access to the organ. An increasing number of young people I've discovered are approaching their local organ dealer or the organ representative for some of the major uh, digital organ builders. They're doing some research and finding that rep and making the connection and sometimes they can get a deal uh, with an organ that's either been sitting on the floor or has been sitting in the warehouse and hasn't moved. Uh, so sometimes they can get a hold of that, but otherwise the the advice is a little bit harsh, which is let's see what we can find for you. And of course, for a kid who lives in a large city or close to one, then they've, they've got a much better shot uh, at finding something to practice on. Well, one more question. Uh, you will be performing live uh, yes. and live concerts are just now kind of coming back in right. this pandemic. What's that experience going to be like for you and for the audience? You know, you know. At, at first, you might think that it's going to be a little bit freaky for an organist to play to a potentially empty room, if not nearly empty. But you know, I'm old enough now to have played in empty rooms before, and so I'm going to walk out there and present some wonderful music to whoever would like to come and enjoy. I don't remember if the church is either streaming that program or broadcasting it later. I think they will have it on their YouTube channel, but what I'm not yeah. clear on is okay. if it's live or recorded. Right. And so I think that, you know, so anyone who either missed it or didn't feel safe in going, they will have that outlet available to them. And I think it's wonderful that, uh, that the church has decided to 
proceed with the season in uh, presenting these concerts. And of course, that room is big enough that we can we can accomplish probably all of the social distancing we're going to need. But you're right, that, that is a little bit strange to play for an audience that could be so scattered around the room um, if, if they're there at all. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, great music is great music. So let's, let's get together either around the uh, computer or at the church and, uh, and hear some of it. Well, it'll be great to have you coming to town on Monday, uh, the 12th of October, to perform. And I want to thank you so much for spending some time with us thank uh, you. talking about this. Thank you. And just a reminder that uh, organist Joby Bell's performance uh, will be Monday, October 12th at 7.30 p.m. in the sanctuary of Davidson College Presbyterian Church in Davidson. Masks are required. Social distancing will be practiced. And there is going to be some YouTube component to that. And you can contact, I'm sure, Davidson College Presbyterian Church to get the details on that. But Joby, good luck with everything. Thank you. Thank you very much. Pleasure. For Piedmont Arts, I'm Rachel Stewart.